0: So, so happy to have you here and go over this. The one thing I wanted to go into right away is you obviously are a colt starter. You started from somewhere and I'm just interested what made you want to make that transition from kind of like instead of just tuning barrel horses, but you've really developed that skill for colt starting. So can you just talk about that for a bit?
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, as most people would know, I grew up uh, barrel racing for the most part and uh, i messed around with other stuff too, but it was pretty well primarily barrel racing. And uh, what got me fired up more than anything else was making a horse. Like, I loved winning, don't get me wrong. I mean, like, who doesn't? Mm -hmm. But the feeling of taking a horse, you know, that isn't that experienced, and then going and accomplishing something on them, like that to me is just what, what drew me to the whole industry as a whole um and then in uh in high school I started uh starting colts for a few different people um you know just a couple at a time you know just kind of on the side some extra money or whatever and um and I just I fell in love with it like I and I I loved it before that because you know I had started a few of my own colts and that um and uh but yeah like that to me was more fun than anything and uh and it just progressed from there you know like every year you know i was still barrel racing of course but every year i just you know i i wanted to start more colts i wanted to know more i would you know read and do as much research as i can and learn as much as i can um but uh but yeah i would say you know and then out, out of high school that's where you know i really started training more and um and yeah it a been,
0: natural progress like a natural yeah. progression of Hey, I kind of like this. Let's learn more. And that's definitely something I want to talk about is just how you develop the skills you get. But first, what I want to know is when you're getting these young horses in and how you've kind of developed your program, like what really does your program look like when you're getting a two year old or three year old that you're ready to start and get back?
1: Like right from the very beginning. Yeah. So the most important thing to me is giving that horse confidence, right? Um, You know, so many people think that start starting is just teaching them not to buck, Mm -hmm. you know, and and to some that may be the case. To me, it is so much more than that, you know, Um, and it starts from the very first moment you touch that horse. And uh, so basically I like everything I do with the horse, you know, before I go to do the first ride, everything is to try to build confidence. You know, I want that horse to be confident in themselves, but also in me. Um, they've, you know, especially if it's an you know, outside a client's horse or whatever, they've never seen me before. And, uh, and remember, horses are animals of instinct. So their natural reaction is to test me. You know, they're not just going to trust me right off the bat, some more than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, yeah, I would say just building that confidence. That, that to me, is everything. Because then every time you make an, a new step up, you know, to the next thing, they've got the confidence then to accomplish that task without, you know, having a big freak out. So, yeah.
0: So when you're talking about confidence, what does that really look like for you?
1: So it, you know, and it depends on the horse, you know, for the most part, but um, (laughs) this is going to sound funny, but a lot of affection. I give my horses a lot of affection. I'm very verbal with Mm -hmm. them. Um, You know, some people might laugh at that, whatever. I don't care it's you know I a lot of affection so you know I'll like before I ever even bring them out of their stall I'll go in there and I'll pet on them you know I'll rub them all over pick their Mm -hmm. feet up talk to them you know just get them used to my presence you know and then from there we'll you know once I feel it they've kind of got me figured out just a little bit then we'll go to the round pen and um, again it depends you know on those that horse that particular horse's habits but I'll you know usually I'll go to lunge them right away just um, get them out of that reactive state of mind into the thinking state of mind so they I want them starting to think about me you know watching me um, and I would say like the first thing I'll try and teach them is you know when I'm free lunching them I want them to face up mm-hmm. so when I draw them back into me mm-hmm. I want that I don't want them just to stop or keep going or turn the other way I want them to you know I want to draw them to me I want them to face me and uh, and you know those are like the most basic foundations i think and then you get that right and it, it's so easy to build off of you know i mean a confident horse is a willing and trainable horse Absolutely. for sure
0: and one thing that just caught my attention what you said about getting them to come into you and even just that gesture of you kind of like receiving almost yes. and it is so much i think of how we present ourselves so How, like, I'm curious, like, how mindful are you when you're working these horses? Like, so you know, your presence is such a big, obviously, that's pretty much everything with training these younger horses is you're almost giving them the confidence because how you're presenting yourself and Mm -hmm. getting them to be willing to trust you. So what does that look like for you? Like, what's your mindset or mentality when you're working with them?
1: Um, Like, as in how do I get them to do that? Yeah, like
0: you presenting yourself and just making them have that experience
1: right so a lot of waiting right so um like I say a fresher horse that that has never done a whole lot I'll get them free lunging around you know and and I'll let let them go for a little I'm not just going to try to get them to face up right away because they obviously they have no clue Mm -hmm. what's going on they've never done this before this is completely foreign to them Mm -hmm. so um a lot of it is just waiting I'll wait for them you know, to you know, I'll, I'll lunge them around and then I'll wait till a sign where they're, they're maybe wanting to slow down. They might be right. tired, you know, and it's, yeah. with a new colt, it's usually pretty quick. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and you know, as soon as I notice that they're wanting to slow down a bit, I'll take advantage of that and I'll allow them to mm-hmm. and I'll step back mm-hmm. and they might not face you right off the bat, you mm-hmm. know, like they've got to learn, but it's just repetition, you know, and, and again, the more, i draw that horse into me the more i step back and and look at it in the eye the more and the more i allow it to do kind of what it wants in a way by you know slowing down or whatever Uh you know then they've eventually they're going to want to face you you know that's their and then when they face you you just let them chill for a minute and then that's their relaxing spot you know so the reward
0: exactly yeah i think it's so important when you're working these horses is to understand them enough and know what the reward is to them and just that pressure and then the release and even just you taking a step back is that sense of kind of the release of the pressure that you're putting on them. And yes. It can be that simple where I often think that people look past that and they don't really consider that as a actual training experience. Yeah, for, the horses. for sure. So one thing you said about patience and just waiting, how have you developed patience? Because I know for some people, myself included, sometimes you just get a little ticked or, you've been working these yeah. horses and especially young ones like 30 days are good and then all of a sudden there might be a click and they just try and get really testy and yeah. a lot of things go down the drain it seems and how do you kind of keep that going? With
1: so your- that's actually my my personal I guess that would be my biggest vice I guess okay. you could say. Naturally I'm a, an extremely impatient person <laughs> so it's been tough and a huge learning curve mm-hmm. and to be honest, I've had to make a lot of mistakes. I've rushed a lot of horses. I've, you know, taken my frustration out on horses, and obviously that never ends well. And I've, I've kind of had to learn a lot of mistakes, you know, just just because it didn't end well, you know, in, in my um, favor or the horses. So over time, you know, I've just I've really learned, and of course, you know, just dissecting, you know, other people and what you know what I can pick on their brains, but. Like that is the key thing you have to be patient with these animals my natural um like thought process is i want results like now right like i want you to do this horse so i want this result right now but it doesn't work like that you know horses some horses will progress faster than others but it doesn't matter even the fastest progressing horse in my head needs an extreme amount of patience you know and and the most crucial thing is to not take our frustration and our emotion out on the horse um which has been uh you know I've had to work on that you know especially being you know a young guy and that it's been oh the girls are screaming (laughs) but yeah it's been it's been a real learning curve and and I'm I would say I'm extremely more patient than I used to be with horses but I've got a long ways to go a long ways to go I mean I don't think you can ever be patient enough. Yeah. I'll be working on that my whole life, yeah, exactly. you know. Yeah,
0: exactly. And that's the one thing I was thinking of that I wanted to talk about is just that idea of you can say like you got to this point, but there's always room to grow. And the reason even us doing this episode is that you're like, well, there's so many people I look up to, but then if you scale it down, oh, there's so many people that look up to you yeah. type thing. And it's always a never ending progress of just learning. Yep. And I like what you said just about kind of the failing aspect, which a lot of people I've heard, they're like, I don't want to screw up a horse. I don't want to screw Mm -hmm. up a horse. And if you've been around the industry enough and you haven't screwed up a horse, you're not doing it right. Or you haven't done it long enough kind of thing. So I like that you said that just, of it does take trial and error and just to learn yourself of how to evolve your skills. So with that, has there been a lot of things that you've done because no doubt you're an incredible cult starter. What are the things that you've really done that you think have gotten you to this point?
1: um like as far as uh searching for knowledge yeah or...
0: for sure
1: so i would say the one kind of event that really progressed or started the progression of my cult starting program was um about a year after high school just before uh, chelsea and i got married i went down and uh, lived with good family friends of ours in oklahoma um doug bridget or uh <laughs> doug cheney and and uh, tanny myers and uh, they used to train out of Circle G Arena in Ohio. And that's how we got to know them because we used to go down to shows there quite a bit and stuff. But then uh, they went out on their own and they train out of Oklahoma now. And so I actually went down to, um, I was kind of doing my appren- my farrier apprenticeship with him. He's a horse too. Mm-hmm. But they also, you know, have about 30 horses in on training. So it's kind of <laughs> the best of both worlds. Awesome. And um, and we did work a lot on shoeing. But in my head, I think it uh, it was more the training aspect that I was, I really pulled a lot from, but, uh, but anyway, so in, in my kind of, you know, job, uh, as far as the training goes, you know, where I worked a lot was all of his two-year-olds that he came in had come in and, uh, and they were some, they're good, well-bred horses, but they were some rank ones. I mean, these, these things have been out on range, you know, for until they are two-year-olds and then right. put into a stock trailer truck them to the ranch and unload them and herd them into a the stall and there you go you know and that's that's what we kind of worked with there and and i picked more up you know from doug and and he had a older fellow from down the road he was an old cowboy his whole life and he'd come and he'd help me pony all these horses and everything the amount i learned from those two guys um it was i think it changed my whole thought process i went from enjoying horse training to okay, like, I want to do this as a career somehow, as hard as it is, I want to, like, that was the point. And, and I was still so green at the time. But, you know, I learned so much there. And then that's what just kind of fueled the fire, you know, or, or I guess started the fire, even. Um, yeah, that was big. And then, uh, since then, it's been just like, you know, watching videos, reading books, you know, just anywhere I could pull information from like it's if if you have a desire for it there's information out there, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just a matter of going out and getting it. Absolutely, so, I yeah. love that
0: story. Cause it's so, it's interesting how things happen. Like you went down for shoeing horses and yeah. then it was almost a blessing in disguise. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, we have all these completely wild two-year-olds and then it just triggered you like, yeah. this is actually what I love to do. Yeah, so yeah. So that's awesome. And, and right, I kind of
1: you know, knew that beforehand, like, but that like sealed the deal. Yeah, I was you're like, like,
0: we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> However yeah. I can do it, you're like, I'm gonna make this a go kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good for you. So with that, I do have some questions more related to actually training horses. And yeah. this is a total personal question because I have started only a few horses. This last one has been more just myself. And I, I'm not like a skilled colt starter. And I actually personally struggle with the timing of things of when you're on a green horse, you don't know if it's you, if the horse is just being really testy or the horse really simply doesn't know. So can you break that up a little bit of your process? Let's say if you feel a horse that's being testy, how do you establish if it's either testy, it's you, or it just simply doesn't understand?
1: For sure, that's a great question. And, and I think, you know, everyone's kind of always trying to find the perfect answer to that, you know? Um, but, uh, but what I always look for is, I try to teach that horse something new um, every single day. And I'm not saying you know I want to teach it to stop perfectly in one day. I I mean very little things you know, um, and I find with colts usually every day you go out there there'll be something that they're just a bit there'll be something that they're just a bit dull on, and uh, and you'll find that and you can start working on it. But I think the key is if there if you can tell they're being testy because they're just getting like um like pessy with you. Mm-hmm. Like they're not they're not willing. They have zero design. you know, they might stiffen up, they might um you know, and and normally in my case I and mean, that's normally my fault. Normally I've found a little issue that I've wanted to fix and you know, going back to that patient mm-hmm. rather than having patience and slowly, you know, sorting that out, I go to try to fix the whole problem all in one shot and you know, usually when, when, you, when I start doing that, I can tell right away, like, okay, th- that's not the right way to do this. this way. And you, you can just feel the way they're reacting. Um, but, uh, but to me, the key is teaching them little things. One little, like baby steps is, is so huge, you know. Um, and, you know, and, and I want to, I'm searching for try. They don't have to do it perfect, you know. They're, they're, we have to remember these are animals, they're not machines. Not every one of them functions the exact same way so they're all going to do things a little bit differently and we have to learn to accept that and and just reward them when they try for you that's all i want if a horse is trying for me really that's all i can ask of it you know and you know if it's if it's athletic enough to to make something of itself if it's trying for me it will figure it out you know what i mean some might take more than longer than others um but but they will figure it out so I guess, you know, and that really goes back to keeping them confident, you know, don't um, when they kind of struggle with something, don't beat them down and make them feel bad because they can't do it. Instead, ro- you know, at least ask them to try, you know, or or just if you know, if you're working on something, and it's just not working, you're not getting anywhere, maybe go back, maybe ask for less, you know, maybe ask for half of whatever, you know, like, I guess, say you're teaching a horse a turnaround, okay, or a rollback. And I mean, you just can't get them. They just want to stiffen up through it or they just can't soften through it, whatever. Well, maybe you're trying too much all at once, you know, maybe instead of, instead of, you know, asking for a whole rollback all at once, maybe ask for that first step to start a rollback, you know, because they have to learn that first step before they can make the second step or the third step. And, and sometimes it's just a matter of being happy with little bits of progress, Mm -hmm. you know, um, so yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know if that really answered the question Yeah, not, absolutely. But. <laughs> it's
0: so true. And it's like, you're almost testing, like, let's say I'm going to try a full rollback, see what happens. And then you're kind of getting called out for the thing you didn't do. Like that one little building block that you missed, your horse is like, yeah, buddy, we never actually learned that first bit of steps. So it's like, how can you ask them of that? And I like that theory of just kind of, you're kind of like doing a bit of a self-reflecting to see, okay, what isn't working here instead of beating them up and maybe like losing your head a bit and being a bit frustrated it's like i think it's so important as trainers to just stay calm in that situation yeah. evaluate what's actually happening and not thinking the horse like i think people have like they're too quick to blame the horse in that Absolutely. case like they're too quick yeah. to say this horse isn't doing it it's not being willing it's not trying but it's like how about step back try and maybe almost observe it from a different perspective and i think yes. riding alone you have to adapt that a little bit, because I ride alone quite a lot, I'm sure you do as well. So just to, (laughs) you're almost being your own, like what would you say, like, because I almost think of myself as my own best coach, my own best teacher, because I watch my videos and I try and see what I'm doing and like learn my habits and my weaknesses, like you said, what your weaknesses are. So what do you think about that, just with when you're riding alone, how you like to think of that type of situation like yourself
1: as a teacher? Yeah, so I, you know, obviously it would be nice, you know, to to be like back down in Oklahoma like I was and just be able to ask questions when I've whenever I have issues. But the one thing I do like about being myself by myself is sometimes it might take longer to accomplish something or to learn something. There's going to be more frustration involved, but I'm going to learn a lot more about myself. And in the end, when I do learn something, it's in my head for life. Like I didn't just teach a horse to do something because someone told me to do certain things it's like no like I actually you know worked it out sorted it out I figured it out with that you know whatever that particular horse is and uh, so to me there's there's a lot of benefits to riding by yourself Um, now the only you know I guess the downside would be when you're doing things wrong you know sometimes it's good to have another set of eyes to remind you before you do something wrong long enough and then you're into a bind you know that you got to get yourself out of um, but uh, but there's definitely a lot of advantages to it, you know, for sure.
0: That's good to hear, actually, because I'm sure some of the people listening and watching are just they're just kind of doing it recreationally. Like they want to do good and better yeah. themselves and be the best riders they can be and trainers. But they always feel like, oh, well, I'm not that person in the States that gets all this professional help. But it's almost like you don't necessarily need it. And again, it goes back to almost the failing And I a hundred percent agree with that because I went to the States to learn from trainers. And when I came back, I almost felt worse than I was when I went because I wasn't riding like myself. And I feel like we could definitely touch on that as well. Of just, you are learning from other people. They're saying, do this, do this. And I think when you're a skilled enough rider, you can, okay, I will do this. I will do that. I understand the concept, but then you don't really actually understand the concept of why you did it, but it worked. But then when you get in a bind or a problem, you're going to fall back to how you ride like naturally your own style your own skill or just how your feel is mm-hmm. it's, it's super unique to yourself
1: and that's the thing when when you ride with someone better than you they're going to pick out the things that they you know that they see mm-hmm. that you can't see that you might be doing wrong and so yeah when people start telling you that of course you're going to feel like a you know not not as good
0: well guys i am so sorry and i made a mistake I'm only human, okay. But half the episode that me and Caleb did, did not get recorded because I did not delete my full memory card. So I plan on going to see Caleb again really soon. So we're gonna do a part two of this interview we talked a lot about a lot of stuff after this point, about just our own riding style, a bunch of other things. So actually this is a very unique opportunity for you to decide if you have any questions that you want me to ask Caleb for when I see him next. So all these questions were just kind of things I wanted to know, but now you get a chance to ask questions yourself. So if you have a question that you want to ask Caleb Klingen, colt starter, bra racer, amazing trainer, Please let me know. You can send me a message, put it in the comments below, follow me on Instagram, give me a DM with any questions that you'd have for Caleb and his journey and process of working horses. And just, if you have a question about his life, ask, let me know what it is, and I'll uh, be sure to try and ask him when we do our next interview, so... Again, my bad, but I appreciate you watching this far. Please subscribe to not miss a video. I do have some training videos he actually did for me, which was super awesome. I'm going to upload those on YouTube soon. So if you want to watch those, please subscribe to never miss one we went over the fundamentals of barrel racing as well as colt starting so it's pretty cool he rode one of our colts we have a two-year-old at his place right now and so he rode jamie around red jamie fraser if you know let me know in the comments if you understand that name he's a redhead and super cute so it was fitting but if you uh wanted to watch that it's pretty informative really awesome to see so uh, subscribe like comment share all those interesting things you can do on youtube and uh, We will talk soon. Thank you for watching and bye for now.